The O3C Podcast is a proud member of the HyperX Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the O3C Podcast from O3C Games, your marvellous hub for all things gaming. My name's Jonathan Dunn and I'm joined by Chris Dow, Peanut Butter Miniatures and Minty Booth. Hot singles waiting to meet you in your area. <laughs> <laughs> we love video games. Announcement! Announcement! All change. Feel your body melt in the presence of our glorious new branding, O3C Games. Behold, this season will feature us plucking out the best 20 games we've played in the last three years and retroactively crowbarring them into our top 100 lists that were the sole focus of our previous three seasons. You can see our top 100 lists as they stand and evolve on our spanking website, o3c.games, where you can also find all of our video content, all the episodes of the podcast, articles, thoughts, reviews, loads more. Please do check it out. And if you're a fan of what we're doing and fancy supporting us, even more than just listening to the show and sharing it on your social media platforms, we do have a Patreon page. There are amazing perks on offer to all pledging tiers, like our smorgasbord of full bonus episodes, exclusive deleted scenes and outtakes, bonus video content, and access to the Patreon-exclusive Discord channel. Head over to patreon.com slash O3C games to have a look, and we would be hugely appreciative of any support that you can offer us. In the meantime, please do continue to engage with us on our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube, we are at O3C games. So, gentlemen, here we are. We have gathered in the shadow of our top 100 lists <laughs> to, uh, to, make, to make some amends, haven't we? We have. <laughs> to be fair... These amends aren't coming through any fault of our own. It, the contrary, actually. It's because we have done our good work with the games that exist. <laughs> I don't know what I'm saying. Uh, <laughs> I tried to convince myself then that I was reading scripture, uh, but I'm not. I'm really, really excited to start on this uh, this new extra project. It's going to be great to think back over the games that we've played in the last couple of years. It's going to be great to reappraise some of the games that have been on our list. And uh, this is just going to be peak admin and i can't wait it's going to be wonderful <laughs> love a spreadsheet mate i'm pissing in spreadsheets <laughs> but before we get into the business of things it's time to reflect on what we've been playing in the last week could it be that we've discovered a game that we're going to have to crowbar in or have we just been playing the binding of isaac repentance jonathan Lindsay, what has your gaming week consisted of well it has consisted simply of the Binding of Isaac Repentance, with a little bit of Digimon story sprinkled in. Ooh. Yeah, yeah. Lovely croutons. Mm-hmm. I'm playing through the uh, <laughs> the second story in the complete edition, The Hacker's Memory. I don't really like it as much as the main story, but that's because just that's just because one of the main one of the uh, main characters uh, reminds me of somebody that I don't really like that much. So that's marring it slightly, but uh, I am coming around to them. It has to be said. It's awkward. Could be one of us. Well, uh, I mean, it's not. <laughs> but um, if you want to, if you want to keep that you little mystery that. alive. But other than that, no. It's it's great. It's just it's just more the uh, the same um, super Digimon action which we all know and love. I, I'm not really that far into the story yet where I can really I'm, I'm really uh, pissing in big strong cool Digimon just yet. Hmm. But it'll come, I'm sure. 
I'm, I'm not quite there with them making another spreadsheet for all of the uh, evolutions <laughs> and all the stats and all the training that I want to do and all the moves I want and all the uh, evolution and de-evolution paths I want to take. But I think I'm going to save that for when I do the when I do a new game plus on the first story when I beat this second story. I've beaten Cyber Sleuth. I'm now doing Hacker's Memory. Once I beat Hacker's Memory, I'm going back to Cyber Sleuth on a new game plus, and that's when I'm going to get real, real nerdy with it. Graph paper. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, <laughs> a 2B pencil with a nib licked. It's the minty boot yeah. way. Oh, yeah, yeah. Complete it. Second time round, new game plus, 100%. Balls deep in Excel, <laughs> talking up everywhere. Mm. Riddle oh, for yeah. it, mate. Yeah. Pissing with digits. Slipping digits. <laughs> Slipping Digimons. Slipping Digimons everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so that's that. And then still cracking on with Repentance. I've kind of taken a break from unlocking all of the uh, all of the new characters and just started doing normal runs with Bethany. Ah, yes. Who's really fun. Very cool character. She's a really good character. Yeah. Because so, so often the um, you think, oh, this spacebar item has six charges and that... and it's worth it. It's a really good item. Like it gives you a soul heart, or it gives you an evil heart, or it, it like it clears the room with the, the amount of damage it does. Or it's always been that the the number of charges that an item has is proportional to its use. But Bethany's active item turns that on its head, and I found that items that have a very small charge, things like uh, the red candle or that, like the little dreidel and the spin to win. Yeah, thing. the spinning top. Yeah, that. That's holy a, shit absolutely melts things it's it's really yeah. great ah oh. it's been so long since i've actually done like a a, a normal uh, run with a character that i didn't quite unlock as much as i wanted to on the run i did with her i did boss rush hush and then i beat i beat mum's heart and satan but i also forgot that to go further than satan or isaac um, you have to pick up the corresponding Polaroid or negative, and I just completely oh. forgot. And I was like, oh, I'll take the Polaroid for the invincibility. Oh, what, what can I unlock if I go down this path? Oh, that sounds good. I'll go down that way. And then I entered the chest, oh. and I got the credits, and I was like, oh, yeah, okay. I, I, yeah. I remember now. But even though, even though you may end up just doing something you've already done, you're still going to have fun with it, because no run is exactly the same, is it? No. That's no. one of the strengths of, of the game itself, which we love so much. Absolutely. I need to get back to uh, to doing some Bethany runs. I think I'm getting quite consistently good at doing Beast and Mother runs now. So I've been slowly checking those endings off for the different characters. And like you, I've been going through and trying to unlock the tainted characters. I mean, they are great. We touched on it a bit last week, but they're just so clever i I've, i really enjoyed tainted isaac the way tainted isaac works is you can only ever hold eight passive items so you might get an hp up or a damage up or a tears up or something that gives you electricity or poison or something but once you've picked up eight items to make your build the next item you uh, you pick up then has to replace one that is in your existing build so it means you've basically got to constantly refine and to try and sort of get to like a perfect eight item build given you know sort of what's what's offered up it's very very cool it's 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 challenging it's creative but i I had a a really good first run of that where i went straight through and did boss rush hush and delirium 
and I thought, wow, this is great. And and every time I've played as him since has been significantly harder. So I, I think I just got fortunate. I think I got like Leviathan within like about four floors or something. It's a transformation. I'm having a wonderful time playing as Tainted Judas. Tainted Judas has this brilliant ability called Dark Arts that allows you to become temporarily uh, invincible and then you target a series of enemies in like a it's a very very short blink of an eye moment and then you unleash the attack on them and depending on how many like enemies and or tiers and obstacles you target you get a brief damage multiplier that increases with the more targets you hit bit difficult to just describe actually now i'm thinking about (laughs) it but basically i mean the character lends itself to an incredibly aggressive play style because you really have to charge straight into the fray to make the most of your abilities which i mean really keeps you on your toes and it's it's a lot of fun and i i've done everything with him now save um mother the beast and greedier mode I managed to unlock the Tainted Lost character, which I was very pleased with myself. I managed to reach the Ascent as the Lost. I mean, I wasn't able to get through the Dogma and Beast fight, but I did unlock Tainted Lost. And I think, like, I always loved the Lost uh, as a character because it's such a pure Isaac experience. Like, it's very simple. Very moving. <laughs> yeah. Mm, really makes you think. <laughs> Much like with a lot of things in Repentance, the character has been balanced so much better in repentance like this is it's, I, I apologize that, that this is a little bit moon speaky so you know skip on two minutes if um if you're not if you're not following chris just pop your head down for a minute let's <laughs> have a little nap so before you start with the d4 item as the lost which entirely re-rolls your build including your starting item which is the holy mantle which is like the key buffer that protects you from the first hit you take in each room other than that the lost has no health so if you get hit you die it basically means you can get hit once per room essentially so you would you would never want to re-roll your character because you've got the best item for that build and if you don't have that it's miserable kind of a useless starting item and then because you can't drop your active item uh, my runs are always tinged with this weird sense of anxiety with my compulsion to self-destruct and re-roll just like hovering above my left index finger not pleasant i'd always i'd always pick up any active item no, no matter what it was just to stop me from giving into that temptation but now you start with a different uh, starting item the eternal d6 which re-rolls the items in a room but it also has a chance of making the item disappear so it's a real like risk reward situation but it makes for just a much much better experience playing as the lost the tainted lost on the other hand <laughs> as we touched on last week just flips things on its head you you don't have the holy mantle starting item so it's incredibly tough but to make up for the lack of that the game is programmed to give you much better items and it removes items that are essentially useless to the lost from the item pools entirely so anything that gives you like health ups or gives you spectral tears which you already have they're not there and the items are of a quality that is you know it's much much more common to get the better items and it also increases the chances of finding the holy card item which is one of the card drops which gives you like a one-time holy mantle effect but it's just i mean it's another example of just yeah how incredibly well balanced the game is now every single item every single character every single mechanic is so incredibly well considered that it makes every character interesting and different and distinct to play as it's just it's an absolute state i love it it's uh it's so so good it's so good 
But I'll save you from another like half hour monologue about Binding of Isaac after last week. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I will continue to give some updates, and I'm going to be doing some some uh, some more streaming and recording some runs. Uh, me and Minty are going to do a couple of uh, a couple of runs together. There's a whole new co-op mode in in Repentance now, so I'm I'm quite excited to give that a try. So uh, yeah, if you are interested in Binding of Isaac, then you can keep up with our progress there. But I have actually played another game, and if you've seen my post on social media and my unboxing video on our YouTube channel, you'll know that it's the new Asterix game. Hello. Uh, entitled Asterix and Obelix Slap Them All. Slap Them All. All of them. Absolutely all of them. <laughs> all if the you can ghouls. See them, slap, slap Them Ghouls. Slap Them. Go- no, the ghouls are the good guys. Are they? Well, I thought they are. were the baddies. No, Asterix is Asterix the Ghoul. Oh, I cut all that. <laughs> <laughs> bloody race just because they're french the, uh, the, the the french are the villains right i've done history in 20 plus years <laughs> no, it's the, Ro- the romans are all the, are the all romans the are the baddies ones. the ghouls are the yeah. goodies goody goody ghoul ghoul nasty nasty Italians. <laughs> so this game is a side-scrolling brawler very much in the style of streets of rage those types of games and it's all rendered in just the most beautiful hand-drawn animation in exactly the same style of the Asterix books. And it it, it looks absolutely gorgeous. It's so lovingly created. Like, it does, it feels like you are playing through the panels of one of the stories. You can tell that it's been made with so much love and care for the source material. The game itself is, is also pretty good as you know, sort of brawl em ups go. It's not a genre that I'm massively keen on, just because a lot of those, the retro ones, are built around score attacks and, and stuff like that, because they're mostly arcade games. And that's something that, you know, I've spoken about before. I, str- I struggle a little bit, because I'm once I get sort of sucked into trying to get the top score, that's all I'll do, uh, and it <laughs> won't be fun. But the game is, is it, yeah, it's, it's, really, it, it's really good fun. The main adventure mode that I'm playing through. It's broken up into six acts that have Asterix and Obelix go on six different journeys across the surrounding sort of countries. And all of that, all of those little plots and characters and stuff, they're all sort of straight from the books. So you've got like Asterix and Obelix and, and Dogmatics, of course, going to Britain or Spain, Egypt and Rome. And you can freely switch between Asterix and Obelix at any time you want to make the most of their different movesets as you just dispatch wave upon wave of Roman legionaries and Norman invaders and pirates. And it's, yeah, it's really, really fun. I mean, it doesn't reinvent the wheel. And I mean, it probably would have been nice to see maybe a bit more variety in the game, but then I'm only about halfway through. And there've already been, you know, quite a few different types of gameplay shown just within the normal levels. And then there are these sort of mini game esque interludes if you're like hunting boar or running a foot race. So yeah, it's possible that there'll be other new things later in the game. The slightly disappointing thing is that there isn't the same sort of interactability that you get in games like Streets of Rage where you can just like pick up a phone box and throw it at somebody. There are no <laughs> phone boxes in ancient Gaul. That is a shame. Or like, you know, you, you disarm an enemy and pick up their lead pipe and use it against them or whatever. And you know, I would love to be able to like pick up Roman shields or spears to use them against the enemies or, you know, pluck out a wild boar peeking out of some bushes and use it as 
some sort of delicious club. <laughs> it's great that you can like you can pick up the enemies and hurl them around into other groups of enemies. And I feel that there's there's a level of creativity that the game isn't exploiting in having you know more things just to to pick up and and, and play with. But I think like this format of a game works really well for the Asterix brand. It's a good fun beat 'em up. It's got great mechanics. It makes you feel like you know you are a, a gaul with a belly full of potion. And I, I hope that this is like the the first instalment in a series that will see future games explore some of the other Asterix stories, which you know I think would help give the game more variety as well. I'd love to see like a Twelve Tasks of Asterix one, or a Great Crossing one, or Asterix and the Golden Sickle. That was always a, a personal favourite. I remember there being some extraordinary fondue party in that. <laughs> That'd make a great game. Why not? Oh yeah, yeah. Whole stage around that. That'd be great. I'd love that. I'll, I'll certainly hold out hope for more of this in the future. I think this this style is just so so nice. It looks so great. It feels great to play. And yeah, like I said, I hope I hope there's more of it. I do. Chris, how about you? What have you played this week? I've mentioned before that the thought process behind the games I choose to play can be a bit abstract sometimes. And as an example, this week I've been playing an action RPG on the Vita called Freedom Wars, and it's not generally my genre. And it's a game I've had sat on my shelf sealed for six or seven years at this point when i bought it i knew at the time of its release that it was a tentpole vita exclusive back when sony was still putting at least a bit of effort into supporting the handheld Hmm. so i'd I'd picked it up then when it kind of dropped in price a few months on and it's just been there i just left it there and then this week i read news that the online servers for a handful of vita games would shutter on christmas eve this year (laughs) including freedom wars and this nice article informed the public of which games included trophies that needed online servers in some way And despite the fact that my PlayStation profile is littered with hundreds of half-finished games, several that have met this self-same fate, rendering essentially their trophy list unfinishable, it made me think, hey, why not hop in and use this closure as an excuse to play a game totally outside of my comfort zone? (laughs) So that that was the driving force that that made me pick it up. It's, It's an action RPG, like I mentioned. It takes certain cues from Monster Hunter, I would guess. Like there, there is a story, there's, you know, characters, shops, crafting, whatever, but the meat and potatoes of the game are kind of self-contained skirmishes where you, alongside either AI or human players, because that's what I've been doing a lot of for these trophies, you take down big mechanical beasties using a variety of different weapon classes and attacks. And I'm not particularly sold on the gameplay, though I am warming to it with each hour, even if this isn't necessarily the type of thing I'd usually play. But I've kept with it because I've really enjoyed the aesthetics throughout like it's a kind of anime sci-fi futuristic fallless society type thing and it looks really incredible on the vita like easily one of the best looking games on the machine and alongside that i'm also quite enjoying the story which has helped chivy me along especially in the early game when i was kind of regretting my choice to start a big weird not very chris game so the the basic premise of freedom wars is that the planet is massively overpopulated resources are incredibly scarce and as a result all newborns are assigned the status of sinner just for being born and are essentially punished for having the audacity to have been conceived so everyone is is lumped with a, a million year sentence at birth and and that sentence can only be repaid through scouting for resources to donate to the greater good or protecting your colony in 
you know the distinct battles that I mentioned earlier. But despite the fact that is really bleak, the script has a lot of fun with that sort of Orwellian undercurrent that's running through the whole thing. Like the colonies of the world are all named panopticons. Your character receives additional years on their sentence for breaking really oblique rules early on, like running for more than five seconds or reclining when sleeping as opposed to sitting up. And in time, you kind of earn entitlements that expand the things you can do. And then you're not penalised for these little kind of jokey things. But it all remains, like I said, quite bleak, but is light enough by being very tongue-in-cheek. I've got to a point now where the story seems to be splintering to focus more on interpersonal drama between the characters, which is far less interesting to me than the overarching premise of the world. But I don't want to cast judgment just yet because it could still turn around and coalesce into something satisfying in time, I hope. But either way, I'm, I'm about five hours into the game, I suppose. I've only got one final online trophy to unlock, so, you know... Yeah. Bully for me, I guess. <laughs> and it, you know, I'm winning in some strange way. Oh, well done. We'll, we'll see how far we get. But certainly I'll tick that bit off. And then if I do decide to put it down, at least I know the game is finishable in the future, was my thinking when I went into this. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I like it. I do like it. But um, like I said, not not generally the type of thing I would spend that much time with. Well, there we go. There we go. Just shows you what happens when the clock is ticking. <laughs> what sort of compromises you're willing to make. Oh, yeah. So, here we go. We're about to start our amendments to our top 100 list. As with all things, amendments need to be made, and they're important, because as you go through life, you, you, you experience new things, you learn new things, and uh, and your, your decisions sometimes need to be reappraised in the new light. <laughs> Put that on a matchbox. <laughs> so... I can't wait to hear what games you guys are going to pluck out. And we're going to start with Minty. Minty, can you please tell us what is the first game that is stepping up to the plate to bat for its worthiness in your eyes? Yeah, yeah. Well, in my, in my, in my mind, it's already a uh, slugged one. I, I guess we're going to carry on that. Yeah, we'll that keep that going for the rest of the show. Yeah, yeah, it's out of there. Yeah, it's out of the park. <laughs> do, 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 do. Great fun. So it's Wii Sports. No, it's not. Uh, <laughs> I remember the for one of the first mobile games that appeared in our triple list. I think it was it would have been desert golfing for on Chris's yeah. list. And the second he started talking about it, I felt a a real deep shame, to be honest, for for omitting just an entire category of games on from my list. Not only because there's there's so much good stuff that you can get on your phone nowadays, but because I've only played about 150 PC and video games, it would have made making a list so much easier if I'd have thought to include them. So since then, I've been able to uh, to to bandwagon on things like uh, like New Star Soccer when they appear on lists, as well as mm-hmm. devoting quite a sizable chunk of my honourable mentions last season to them. But now I think it's high time to take it that one step further and uh, j- just, just squeeze one into my list somewhere. So let's start off my, amended, um, my amendments with Disco Zoo. Hello. <laughs> I haven't heard of it. Oh, well. You have now. School me on your disco zoo. Yes, I will. I will. It's a few years old now, and uh, I I will confess that I have not played it uh, fairly recently, but picture this. It's a lovely little pixel game, and you are a zoo haver, but your zoo have no animals. (laughs) So obviously, you need to rescue some to pop in your habitats. It's not as simple as going into a field and, uh, you know, sticking a horse in a bag or something like that. (laughs) 
Each rescue mission has you, it puts you in front of a small grid where any number of animals may lurk, and each animal is represented by a shape, not unlike a tetromino. And by finding the shape, you find the animal. So it's a bit like, um, it's a bit like battleships, I guess, but instead of naval conquest, it's about conservation and delighting visitors to your zoo. Each animal generates a little bit of money, so uh, you, you, you build up your coffers, which you can then spend to go on rescue missions, or even buy new aircraft, which allows you to visit new biomes mm. to get even more animals. And each biome has a good few animals to discover, as common, as rare, as mythical. It's just a really slick and cheery little game where the gameplay loop isn't stymied by an energy meter or relentless ads. You just just set it aside and let, let your animals um, do the work to bring in some bread so you can uh, take another trip up on your hot air balloon. Each animal generates money and the more animals you have, the more money you earn, meaning you can explore new places quicker and get new animals quicker. Things get pricier though, so it never... You know, it never boils out of control, but it's never never a slog either, thinking about it. It's very well balanced and did provide a really lovely distraction from a few years back when I played it uh, to completion, just giving a nice escape from really what was quite a bleak and a sad period of my life. Uh, I've just downloaded it again now, so and I can see that some of the new features have been uh, included, including what looks like a time machine. Oh boy which I assume is going to be some sort of rest reset prestige function. Uh, anything that gives a game more idle mechanics is always welcome as far as I'm concerned. Just to keep it simple, it is going to shunt off number 100 in my list. So farewell, Elibits. <laughs> but in terms of actual placement, that's a slightly trickier one for me because I'm still finding it hard to place a mobile game only because of my own personal shortcomings and stuffy ideas of what makes a video game a video game so here's how i've done it i've gone through my list from the bottom up and said did i enjoy disco zoo more than this and placed it where i first said no <laughs> hence disco zoo has been placed begrudgingly at number 77 wow wow and if i use this method each time i'm never going to place anything higher than that because i don't like anything more than i like turok at the end of the day <laughs> i'll continue to tweak the process marvelous <laughs> I, th I mean i i know exactly what you mean about mobile games it's the reason why there weren't many any that featured in in my list despite the fact that i've spent more time playing them than most of the other games on my list same they're so accessible yeah i am starting to appreciate them for what they are which is mm. a video game and this i think is a good step forward i mean if i had to put my a list together of the games i've played for the longest amount of time the coloring in game happy color would probably be number one with the bullet above the binding of isaac mm, yeah <laughs> you know absolutely mad discos is, is one i played to completion as well and i've just re-downloaded it uh, to start a new one because like you said there's new updates and i've forgotten most of what i played because it's, it's a lovely game it's really lovely yeah just the right level of interactivity that mix between interactivity and idle gaming is uh yeah it's really 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 well done lovely little game so if you're listening owen goss you've done a good job there amazing as for me, it's no secret that the last couple of years have been mainly defined by a global pandemic. That has been the case. I think there's very few people that <laughs> haven't realised that. And as I'm sure is the case with a lot of people, their pandemic lockdowns are going to be remembered and defined by different pieces of media. You know, whether or not it was watching Tiger King on Netflix or playing animal crossing new horizons 
And I know that was the, the backdrop for, for millions of people in the first lockdown, as you know, as was the case uh, for me um, and, and you, Chris. And yeah, certainly. To, to a lesser extent, you, Minty, but also pretty predominantly, you know, that it was it was a very constant factor in your life between you and Mrs. Minty. Yes, yes. But the first lockdown also provided me with an opportunity to reconnect with some old friends from uni for a spot of online gaming. The most notable of games from this time is one I'm actually going to save for another day. And we also played a lot of my 88th favourite game from my list, which was Worms Armageddon. And I mean, I was absolutely amazed at at how well the game held up after so many years. And it continued to provide me with many, many hours of incredibly tense and fun matches against my friends deep into the wee hours. But it felt a bit of a shame to have an incredibly powerful machine at my fingertips and only use it to play a 20 year old game. And (laughs) I mean, me being a Mac user meant that a lot of games didn't natively run on my computer, but it's an absolute breeze to set up a windows partition, get the other 90% of my steam library running. Uh, But steam wasn't where I went first. It was actually to get the Xbox app running and subscribe to the ludicrously low price for Xbox Game Pass for PC, so I could join my friends playing Forza Horizon 4. Oh, it's a shiny one. Oh, it's incredibly shiny. Oh, and then some. I'll talk about that a bit later on. You'll know this, uh, because I I will. Now, I've said before (laughs) about how I've, uh, I've never been a huge fan of racing games. It took Nintendo to... I mean, well, define the kart racing subgenre for me to really find my fun on wheels. And and not having ever been an Xbox owner, I had no idea that the Forza Horizon games had also been carving out a subgenre of their own, which is the, the open world racing game. Like, being presented with a beautifully varied and enormous map to just drive around was an experience that I, well, I didn't know I wanted. I mean, perhaps it was because I was in lockdown and wasn't allowed to simply, you know, just, I don't know, just drive to a castle for a day out or test my eyesight. Or perhaps <laughs> it was because... Satire. Cool. <laughs> 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 or, or, or perhaps it was because Forza Horizon 4 was set in the idyllic landscape of the English Lake District and was brought to life with the most photorealistic graphics I'd ever seen in a game. But this was a type of escapism that I, I'd not really experienced before. And it was it was just wonderful. Like cruising down past like the hedgerows and low cobbled walls, watching the sunset over the water as summer turns to autumn. Like I I didn't need to care about winning races or progressing through tournaments or unlocking more cars and features to fully enjoy this game. Like it is a game, and it's crucial to my enjoyment that it retains its gaminess and doesn't lean into the racing simulator lane that, you know, the mainline Forza series does and a lot of other, you know, racing games. Like, there's so many brilliant things to find and unlock uh, that are just there to be fun. Like, secret billboards you need to smash through or secret routes that you need to beat time trials on, secret jumps that you need to try and high score. Like, it's no different from exploring an open world RPG, only you're doing it in a car. And it's just pure joy. It is, I mean, it is 
a stunning game to look at. Like all the reflective surfaces of all of the cars bouncing the beautiful lighting just all over the place, like winning races to upgrade certain features and buy houses around the map to store your cars. And there's there's loads of racing challenge there if you want it, but there's also like a rewind button if you want to take the edge off and just enjoy the thrill and release of driving. Like annoyingly, there was, there was a bit of an issue using a partition to run windows that mucked up some of the network settings in the game, which basically just prevented me from being able to play with my group of mates. <laughs> to be honest, like, I didn't really feel like I missed out on too much. Like they, they may be doing some races together and I'd just be on the voice chat having a lovely drive myself and finding some new secrets or driving down some new roads. And in our little Discord group, we would share images from the game's uh, photography mode. And I mean, some of my friends, especially Zoe and Tom, they who have just got a wonderful eye for creating stunning photos with their cars and setups. Like it was just just such a lovely experience so much enjoyment from just looking at it and just casually exploring it it's so difficult to define because the joy i get from this racing game isn't racing but there's something there's something lovely about being able to drive around a map i i, I don't even know i can't even why do i want to do that but i do it's lovely <laughs> and i mean like the horizon series is the reason why i almost bought an xbox series x yeah and even though like the new Forza Horizon 5, which is set in Mexico, is meant to be incredible. It looks absolutely jaw-dropping. I think I'd probably still just play Horizon 4 and enjoy that like comforting familiarity of the British roads. It's a really special little game. It really, really is. And oh, it's not a little game at all. <laughs> what am I talking about? It's one of the biggest <laughs> franchises in the world. But there we go. I, I love it. And in terms of where it would sit on my list... The reason it's up first in this addendum is because I still don't feel like I scratched the surface of the game. Like, unfortunately, I've had to remove my Windows partition several times to free up hard drive space for editing. So when I've had times, you know, I maybe wanted to settle in for a session on Horizon, it's often been a time when I didn't have the game or even Windows installed. And so, yeah, I think I, I feel that there's still so much more for me in that game. And it's going to be possibly the first thing i download and play on my steam deck when i get that the fact that i'll be able to play it handheld is mental and i know it's not going to look as good as if i was playing it on an xbox series x but i'm gonna have a wonderful time so where's it going to appear not sure but i know (laughs) one thing is for sure i'm thrilled to give alex kid in miracle world the boot off the bottom oh in the bin Uh, in the bin straight in the bin mate it is a game that nostalgia had a lot to answer for (laughs) uh, when appraising it initially i've revisited it on the the, like the original version on the sega ages collection on the switch and i realized just how lawlessly unfair it is yeah and it's broken as well but then the truly awful dx remake uh, meant that i mean i've got very very little left for this game save my acidic contempt <laughs> so, <laughs> so goodbye alex kid hello forza horizon 4 and i think the place that alex kid was which is 96 i look at the games that are around there and 97 is sonic r in 95 is athlete kings esteemed company you know what bang it in the middle i'm gonna swap it straight out at number 96 for alex kid in miracle world because to be honest i'm not getting rid of Clockwork Night 2. How is Super Hot VR number 99? 
I couldn't answer He's that. So much better than ninety nine. <laughs> That's for a future episode. Come on. It's also better than Jurassic Park on the Game Boy at ninety eight, but that is staying staying put as well. My list wouldn't be my list if Athlete Kings wasn't on there. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see where we get with this reappraisal. I think um, Minty, I think your strategy sounds good, and we'll find our own strategies for how we make this work. <laughs> but for now. Alex Kidd's In Miracle World does not exist. Forza Horizon 4 is my 96th favourite video game of all time. <laughs> I really love the Horizon series. I played the first one on the 360 to basically full completion with my brother. Wow. When I had an Xbox One very briefly, one of the only games I played for much time was Horizon 2. And then when I sold that, Horizon 3 and 4 were the games that I always felt like, I could buy an Xbox. Might just go and buy an Xbox. But I, I haven't done that. You know, I have access to them on, on my PC. I, c- I could play them on my laptop, but I just haven't for some reason. It feels like it should be a console experience. Mm. So maybe one day, you know, further into the generation when, when the Series X starts to drop in price a bit, perhaps that would be something I'd pick up basically for that reason. But never played 4, but it sounds delightful. Now for my list... I'm staying quite on brand for this one. It's been said that I'm quite a fan of arcade games uh, in in every sort of bit of joke correspondence (laughs) we use between each other or on social media. So what better way to kick off my amended list than by dropping in a relatively obscure arcade cabinet from the late 90s. Now, it's been about two years since I last ventured up to the arcade club in Bury, And obviously, as you mentioned, Jonathan, the the pandemic is a, a big part of that. But there, there was a window of time before that when I was going semi-regularly with my brother and we'd combine a visit to you know the arcade club, which is likely my favourite place on earth, <laughs> with an Arsenal away day to maximise our miles. So the last trip we did together for that, we comboed a heady day drinking Budweiser, eating pizza and hammering Sega Rally. And then the following day, went to watch a 1-0 win against Newcastle oh. in what was the coldest stadium I've ever been in at the time. <laughs> now, I, I really miss those trips. And I'm hopeful that in the new year, we might be able to make another sojourn up the country. You know, COVID variants permitting, fuck's sake. <laughs> it's, just, it's getting so tedious now. But anyway, back to positivity. A game that's become a staple of our trips when we've gone alongside the big names like Daytona or Fantastic Journey or Time Crisis 2 or Guitar Hero Arcade is the wonderful Quick and Crash. And it's a game that felt strangely familiar the first time I saw it in situ, and I couldn't place why. And then when I went away and thought about it, it's because it was an unlockable in the PS2 port of Time Crisis 2, which I'd played for a million hours when I first got the console. But the difference, though, and the reason why my memory felt hazy was that the arcade machine isn't a digital light gun game in the traditional click-the-trigger-and-point that the CRT screen sends because it uses physical props that react, you know, I assume to some sort of infrared laser in the gun and, and it makes real targets explode. And it's, it's, it's insanely impressive to me even now, <laughs> even though it's a 20 plus year old game. So you have four stages, you shoot stationary targets first, then moving targets. And then as a finale, a ceramic cup pops up, you shoot it and it shatters into bits in a way that is so ludicrously satisfying. And even though I can look at it you know, logically and think, okay, this is all telegraphed. The pieces are attached to the little semi-invisible string so it can reassemble itself just out of shot. But it feels so incredible, more than it would do if I was shooting a cup in, you know, Time Crisis 2. It just, you have more of a response, like a physical response to it. Games in Quick and Crash last, well, not very long, <laughs> you know, as, as the name suggests, under a minute. And, and when you start competing for better times, this can easily drop to 20 or 30 seconds, maybe. And that's even when factoring in the setup and transition times between each stage. 
And yet, the last few visits we've made, we took turns trying to top the leaderboards for probably three or four hours collectively. (laughs) It's just, it's so addictive. And a real genius touch is that you have to start each round with your gun aimed away from the playfield, like in a little holster. So there's no countdown timer. You just have to wait for the buzzer and then grab your gun and shoot the targets as they first appear. And it's just a game about reflexes and and accuracy and, and practicing your aim. And because of that, you can't game the system by holding the gun in place ready for the grand reveal. You have to properly John Wayne the quick draw across all four rounds. And it means that you can have three perfect rounds and then you get to the fourth one with the cup and you fuck it up and you're you're just so angry at yourself. <laughs> but, you know, too bad. Go again. Try harder. And because it's so quick, you don't worry about that. You just immediately press go and do it again. And obviously, if it was a real arcade where I was spending 50p to do this every time... You know, there's probably a limit to how much I would put into it. But when it's on free play in in the arcade club, like I said, hours pass, just hours, like queues are behind us once you go. It's like, come on, just we'll get there eventually. It's, It's just so much fun. I think I love this game because it feels like the arcade experience distilled, something that you can't really replicate at home. And also that it drives competition and score chasing. Like you just said today, Jonathan, talking about Asterix, that that is what kind of you struggle with in these kind of arcade experiences sometimes. But I I get really addicted with that. That's what I really, really enjoy about arcade titles. And, you know, the outline of the thing is there in the Time Crisis 2 port. You can play it there with the targets and the dot matrix display and everything. Even the cups there, present and correct. But there's no physicality or or viscerality. And in the same way that OutRun is a game I love and it's fantastic and the 3DS port is still my favorite way to play it. You can't really rival sitting in a big hydraulic cabinet with a wheel and pedals (laughs) and a gear shifter. It's just a different thing. And it's really sad to me that arcades have essentially died, you know, or at the very least been replaced wholesale with just grab machines, 2P pushers and and weird ports and mobile games like Flappy Bird. Because the power you could cram into a home console now, or even a phone now, has superseded what is financially viable to include in an arcade cabinet. And yet for something like this, like Quick and Crash, the cost involved in running research and development to create experiences rather than just games, it's just, it's not worth it for developers anymore because you're getting that minimized return. People don't access arcades in the same way. But for anyone that thinks like, well, what is the point of the arcade? Quick and Crash proves that the act of just pulling a trigger and being rewarded with a physical response still has just such tremendous potential. Like I mentioned, it came out originally in 1999 and none of the potency of that game has been lost in the two decades that have followed. It's easily one of the most popular games at that club. For me, it makes the list absolutely, but the brevity of the game itself has to relegate it to the bottom section of the 100. Mm. Like there is replayability in spades. As I've said, I've played it for hours, especially when you're playing with someone to sort of compete between you. But because it's a game that is solely about reflexes, you know, a new game isn't going to suddenly reveal something new. Like a new round is not going to be, oh, was a new thing popped up that time. You're not going to suddenly appreciate it on like a spiritual level. It's very much what you see is what you get. But for a moment to moment experience, I don't know if I've ever played anything like it. So for that, roll on the first trip of 2022, I say, (laughs) you know, I I really, really hope we get up there soon and I can shoot that fucking cup. (laughs) In in terms of like what gets dumped off the list, I'm not dumping Bomber Raid <laughs> for now at least. I know I know that's number hundred. Uh, it's it's not a good game, but I touched on this in one of our honourable mentions episodes that Bomber Raid, aside from being a simple shoot 'em up that I enjoy, it's also a kind of stand-in for playing games with my dad. And across each console generation, Dad would play maybe one or two titles when we were kids. And when I was young, I loved being able to share games with him because you know when you're young. 
your parents are just like the absolute world to you. You grow up and you realise they're, they're just Burks like anyone else. But when, when you're a kid, it's just like, you know, dad was this, he knew everything. Dad was amazing. <laughs> so, you know, on the Master System, my first machine, he'd play Hang On, he'd play Bomber Raid. On the Mega Drive, he upgraded to Super Hang On. On the Saturn, he inexplicably became obsessed with Baku Baku Animal. <laughs> on the N64, he played a lot of F-Zero X. And beyond that, that was kind of it. That was dad's gaming career done. So as we get further up this list of editions, you know, perhaps Bomb Raid will eventually get the chop. But for now, even if the game has been bettered thousands of times over, nothing else quite captures the context and feeling that that game represents in my head. So instead, I looked up and down the list. I started to think about, okay, what what doesn't cut it anymore? What have I sort of reappraised and thought, it's got to go? I'm going to say goodbye to Life is Strange and its prequel oh. Before the Storm, which I initially ranked at 88. Wow. So a little bit further up. About six months ago, I had Georgia play through the first episode and on return, it just didn't quite grab me in the same way. Like this is always a possibility, I guess, with any game that is solely about experiencing an unknown story for the first time. But I haven't felt that same disappointment when I've replayed something like Firewatch or when I replayed Kentucky Route Zero. And perhaps it's because like the bigger choices and story beats in Life is Strange come a lot later in the game. And perhaps, you know, knowing what's going to happen eventually, the opening hours maybe they're a bit underwhelming. I, I don't know really, because I can't see it with fresh eyes again. It's, it's difficult. But yeah, it just, it doesn't quite do it for me anymore. And I'd still absolutely recommend people play it, especially if you've not picked it up before. I'm still keen to play Life is Strange 2 eventually, because I've not given that a go, as well as the recent True Colors spin-off sequel thing. But I just don't feel that hot on the original anymore, as I did when experiencing it with, with fresh eyes. So I'm going to chuck Quick and Crash in at 99, uh-huh. just above Bomber Raid. And I'm going to take Life is Strange and dump in the fucking bin. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Ruthless. So there we go. Those are our three appendices for this week. Three superb games that we're thrilled to cement in our top 100 lists, for now at least. And they were Disco Zoo Forza Horizon 4. Forza Horizon 4. <laughs> Quick and Crash. If you've enjoyed this episode, or if indeed you've enjoyed any of our episodes, please do share the podcast on your social media platforms and engage with us on ours. We are on pretty much everything at O3C Games. And to see all of our content, including our reviews and articles and thoughts and videos and everything, then go to O3C.games. That is our website. That is your marvellous hub for all things gaming. And if you want to support us even more, please do check out that Patreon page, patreon.com slash O3C Games, and have a look at some of the perks you can get in exchange for some pennies of your pledging support. We would would absolutely love that. Let us know what you're playing. Let us know what you think of these games. Best way to get in touch with us. Well, we've got a collective Twitter now. It's at O3C Games. Chat to us on there. Or you can target us individually. If you want to talk to Minty about his disco in a zoo. Or you want to chat to Chris about having a quick crash with him. (laughs) Then uh, you can tweet us directly. I am at Jonathan Dunn. I am at Chaz underscore Hodges. And I am Clement underscore Boo. And please do join us next week for another three games that we will be crowbarring into our top 100 lists. I can't wait. Boosh! Boosh!